Well, you know, last week, thank you, Lord, for the word. I thank you, Lord. I get excited over the word. The more I can say, hold my mule, Chester, while I shout a little bit. Man, it gets better every day. You know, last week I talked about, you know, uh, the invitation of Christ. In first, Second Peter 1, 9, remember he said, who saved us? When you, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. And he said, with a holy calling. And that word calling is an invitation. Now listen to this, what that word means. An invitation to the banquet. An invitation into the kingdom of God into his agape love banquet. You can get saved in your spirit and go to heaven when you die, but you have a soul where you live. See, that's where you live, your mind, your will, and your emotion. And the God of this world tries to blind you to the fact that you don't have a new one. You still have that old one because he owns it. But see, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at his presence. We have his presence now. And faithful is he who called you, who has also done it. He's already paid for you to have a new spirit, new soul, and a new body. That means you can think different. You can act different. You can be different. We call that exchange. And we see Jesus said in John, that's what I'm going to talk about, the celebration of life, the banquet. Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is the life of God. It's a quality of life. We can have God's quality of life now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. And that word Jesus says, life, is zoe. Now guess what that means? Catch this now. It's soul life. That word is suke zoza. A living soul. See, he didn't come to just get you to go to heaven when you die. He come to give you a new mind, will, and emotion so you can enjoy life while you're here. That's soul life. Zoe life is soul life. You can think different, act different, and be different because Jesus has already paid for it. And if you're saved today and you're going to heaven, there's an invitation to you to that banquet. There's an invitation for you. Romans says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That word calling is an invitation. You have an open invitation to the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit has a key to that kingdom. He's the one that reveals all the banquet stuff that he's prepared for you. It's already given to you. You have to receive it. Salvation is free. You get to go to heaven. But you can only have the kingdom by invitation. Give me an amen. He invites you to come in to enjoy the fullness, the benefits of the kingdom. And that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. The way to the Father is through his Son. The truth that God gives us is his Son. The life which he gives us is his Son. The life which God gives us is all through. Everything is through his son. God, our father, has given us a lot of things. How many of you know he's given us? We don't even have a clue what all he's given us. Eye has not seen, ear heard, neither has entered the heart the things that God has prepared for you. He purposed. What did he tell Timothy? Who saved us and called us uh, with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to God's own purpose and God's intention before the foundation of the world began. This is what he did for you before the foundation of the world. He prepared all this kingdom stuff for us. And, and it's yours if you just receive it. Come into the banquet place. You know, it's not an accident that Jesus spoke about the parable of the man that made the feast and he invited people to come and everybody began to make excuses. You know, I said last week, how many of you got an invitation in the mail to something and you look at the invitation and immediately you decide whether you want to go or not? This is the same deal. No, I've got my fire insurance. When I die, I'm going to heaven. That's all I want. I want everything else just to be the same. See, he's not going to force you into that banquet love feast. He's not going to force you to have a new mind, will, and emotion. You can be the same old you in your soul life if you choose to, but that's not really who you are. That's who you were. It's all part of the package. You just got to receive it. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Save your what? Souls. That's what we're talking about here. It's a new way of thinking. Okay, Colossians 2 9 says, For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Amplified says, For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead's, continues to dwell in bodily form, given complete expression of the divine nature, and you are complete in him. We are made partakers of his divine nature. Add to your faith that he's given you. Come to the banquet of virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. All these things be in you at the banquet table. They make you that you neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence quickly. Make your calling, your invitation sure. That calling, invitation sure. For if you make that invitation sure, guess what will happen? You'll never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of that glory God love feast. It's yours. But it's only by invitation. But you know what? That invitation was extended to you before the foundation of the world. And that extending the gifts and the invitation of God are without repentance. That means you can never be bad enough not to have it. God's invitation to you, it doesn't matter what you do, where you go, or how you act. The invitation's always there. It's always available to you. All you have to do is receive it and come into the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Man, better have a drink. They told me to quit saying dilly dilly because people listen to this tape and they, they're not sure about what we're drinking. It's water. Holy water. Okay. Woo, thank you, Lord. Yes. It says, this is why Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 1, 17, 18. Now, it's, I'm having a hard enough time seeing this right now. <laughs> that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and the revelation of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his invitation. His invitation and what is this exceeding greatness of his power 
to us that it works in us and through us that the eyes would be open that we might see what he's called us into. We've been called into. What really matters in the kingdom is that, that's why he says, Paul said, I've determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I remember Oprah Winfrey one time. I heard her say it. Well, there's many ways to God. If you believe that lie, Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I have the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I have truth. He said, I am truth. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the door. He said, by me, if anyone enters in, he's got to come through the door. So don't buy into that. There's many ways, and, and, and God's the God of all these religions. No, he's not. No, Jesus is the only way to God the Father. And you don't buy into that lie. Okay, Jesus is not a way. He is the way. Jesus is, has given us the truth. He doesn't give us truth. He is truth. And he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free. It will set you free. And whom the Son set free is free indeed. A doctrine about truth will not set you free. Many people in churches believe that truth, believe truths, but they're not free. You can have a faith in a doctrine and not be free. Doctrine won't save you. Doctrine will not give you life. Uh, yeah. Churches believe the truth. Doctrines are, 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 is what men teach. Remember, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 13 to the scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. Oh, he says, woe unto you, for you shut the kingdom of heaven up against men. For you neither go in yourselves, or neither do you suffer them that want to go to enter in. He says, you're blind. Now, what did he say in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, when he was being stoned? He says, you stiff-necked and hypocrites, you Pharisees. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. You resist the Holy Ghost. And which of your fathers have not killed the prophets? Why? Because as the Holy Ghost fell upon the prophets, they said things they didn't want to hear. So what do you do when you hear something you don't want to hear? You kill the prophet. And he's saying you've resisted the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of people resisting the Holy Ghost. You know what I've noticed? Some churches are beginning to teach on the gifts of the Spirit that don't know nothing about the gift. That's good. Everybody ever learn, ever learn it, but never come to the knowledge of the truth. Everybody wants to hear about it, but how many actually want to do it? That's right. You know, I want to tell you something. Yes. You can say, come Holy Spirit, but leave your gifts somewhere else because we're not interested in it. That's right. That's if you don't have the giver, you don't need the gifts. That's that's a deception. He says, ever learning, Timothy says, in the last days, they, they're going to depart from the faith, and they're going to have teachers get, with itching ears. And he says, ever learning, every learning, yet never able to come into, into the knowledge of the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. And what did he say about those kind of folks? Of such, stay away. What does stay away mean? Stay away. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Of such, turn away. Yeah. 
don't associate with people like that. Why? They're going to pull you into the same boat if they can. Now, I didn't say that. The Scripture did. But you can't have a doctrine about the Holy Spirit without experiencing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was to come. The day of Pentecost was the day of the manifestation of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit is a key to the kingdom of God. And he's the one that takes the things of the Father that's given to Jesus that Jesus has that the Holy Spirit's going to take of him and show them to you. He's the one that's going to show you this banquet table, the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in the field. That's it. The Holy Spirit's the only one that can take you into that to see it. Give me an amen. amen. Jesus doesn't give us, just give us life. He is our life. John 5, 39, he says, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are which testify of me. But you will not come to me that you might have life. I am the life. You can't have life apart from Christ. We cannot earn life. Now catch this. You cannot earn life. Life flows naturally into works. But works will never flow into life. Let me say that again. We cannot earn his life. Life flows naturally from good works, from works. Life flows naturally into works. But works will never get you into the flow of life. It's been freely given to you. We work because of what he's done, not to get what he's done. Big difference. The world tells you, you have to work to get this. No. Many will say unto that day, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils, and done many mighty wonderful works? And he said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. That used to bug me. I didn't understand what he was saying. There was a time when it was time for them to go into the fullness that God had of the kingdom. And they were saying, we have a right to come in because look what we've done. And Jesus basically was saying, you have no right to come in based on what you've done, but you have every right to come in based on what I've done for you. Come on in. See, when you take away from what he's done for you, you discredit what he's done. You, you do away with the work of the cross, and you're back into legalistic works. Well, Jesus said, no. He that hungers and thirsts come drink freely of the water of life. Freely. That's freely. What does freely mean? Freely. You know, sometimes we think a, a loud clapping and running around in the service is life. Well, it can be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Because in his presence, you know, we sing a lot of these songs. Come on, Holy, come Holy Spirit. Come on, Father, and bring your presence. Listen. The fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is right here. And you're in him. When you walk through that door, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes in here, and you're as much in his presence as you're ever going to get. You don't have to ask for something to come because he's already there. We've got to change this mentality thinking. Because in his presence, and we are in his presence. You know what? He placed us in his presence. We didn't do a thing to get there. God made Jesus sin on our part. He made him. That word made means he, he became the author of sin. That he might make us, bring us into being a brand new creation. You know, I was reading a, a book, and, and Kent got it for me. Because, you know, there's a lots of books. The book of Nehemiah, the book of Josephus, the, the book of 
Joseph over Arimathea. They wrote books. They didn't make it into the canon. But here's the lost scriptures that never was a part of the canon. How many of you know they're just as good as what we got? They just never made it into the New Testament. And guess what Joseph, the Joseph of Arimathea, that furnished the tomb for Jesus. When all this happened, he was locked up in prison. And he says in his book, after Jesus' resurrection and he was buried the same night, he came into the prison where he was at, took him by the hand and led him out, just like Peter was led out. And he, he wrote, catch this, he visited with all, you remember when Jesus was raised, all the saints, they saw him in the streets of Jerusalem. He tells the story of what happened. When Jesus went in the presence in, in paradise, he went up and put his arm around Adam. And Adam was exchanged into a new creation. And Adam and all of those come out with him and was walking on the streets of Jerusalem. So don't think of Adam the way you think of Adam. That was the Adam before. There was Jesus hugging Adam, and he became the last Adam. And Adam became the first part of the second man, just like we are. You tell me God ain't good. You tell me there's, there's a lot more there than we realize, the goodness of God. Adam not, is not reserved in hell because of what he did. Come on. I'm telling you, God is good all the time. God knew what all was going to happen before Adam ever did it. He knew he was going to do it. That's why Jesus was a lamb of God slain from what? The foundation of the world. You know, I believe there's a lot of other good little nuggets in some of these other books we hadn't read. You out there? The book of, the book of uh, Nicodemus is another one. Now, see why are these guys important? Because they're the ones that took him and embalmed him and wrapped him and took care of him. And they saw a lot of things after that. They have a revelation of what happened after the re resurrection. Incredible. Woo! I just had to get sidetracked a little because I'm going to tell you something. God is good, and he has a plan and purpose from what? The foundation of the world. Jesus asked his disciples if they was going to leave him in John 11 when he said, except you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And they all left him. And Jesus said to them, are you going away also? And they said, no. Where do we go? You have the words of life. You have the words of Zoe life. And they knew that he was the one. Where should we go? You have the word of life. 1 John 5, 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. There's no middle ground. These things are written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He didn't say, I raised the dead. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, when Martha said, she believed that Jesus, she said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he said, if you would believe, Martha, I could, she said, oh, I know you'll raise him up to the resurrection. He said, you don't understand. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He didn't raise Lazarus to life. He was Lazarus' life. 
He is your life. Colossians 3, 1, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll appear with him in glory. He doesn't give you life. He is your life. Catch that. He doesn't give you things. He gives himself. Woo. Martha believed that Jesus had the power to preserve her brother's life. But what she and most people don't see, Jesus didn't preserve life. He is the life. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear also with him glory, him in glory. Jesus didn't give Lazarus resurrection. He was his resurrection. Jesus is not going to give us glory. He is our glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Most good Christians know that Jesus is the life giver, but he doesn't just give us life. He is your life. Can you see what I'm trying to say today? That's why Paul said, I determined not to know anything but Jesus and him crucified, buried, raised, ascended to the Father, seated at the right hand, and I'm seated with him in glory right now. And he is the head and we're the body of the Christ. We're in union with him. The God, the fullest Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living within us. That's the gospel. A lot of churches want the Holy Spirit. I've already covered that but they don't want him to bring his gifts. John 14, 9. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, you will live. What is this life? You go to, and we talked about this. It doesn't matter what you do. He is your life, ever how it's manifested. He says, uh, there's two things. So the letter kills. Have you ever listened? We, we found this out to be true. We read books all the time, don't we, Dennis? And some books, it's just... Life, 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 life. And we need another book that's full of scriptures. But it's dead. I don't understand. The letter kills. But the spirit gives it life. See, that's the difference. Apart from the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what you read. It's not life. The Bible's a wonderful book. But unless the Holy Spirit is here to quicken the word to you, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good to memorize the Bible. It does you good to let the word of God in your heart. Because it's life to those that find them and health to all your flesh. Are you with me? I used to read a lot of stuff. I was hungry, still hungry. But you know what I found out? I don't have to hunger and thirst for righteousness anymore. Because Jesus said, He that believeth into me shall never hunger or thirst for righteousness. What is that? That's union. I don't have to worry about being in, trying to get in union with him. I'm in union with him. And I have the very righteousness of God in me right now. You can't add to it. You can't take it away. I remember the first time I got the normal Christian life. I'd go down to the park after I got off work butchering. And I'd start reading. And I'd read a few verses or a, a chapter or two. It just so overwhelmed me with the fullness. I'd have to lay the book down and walk off. I couldn't take any more. Do you hear me? I couldn't take any more. I'd have to go meditate on what I just read. And then I could go back and read a little more. 
I remember several years ago in our pastor's meeting, Tom Mullins from Demet. We meet at 10 o'clock and we started in on exchange kingdom and all this stuff. At 11.30, he stood up and said, that's it. I can't take no more. I'm full. I'm through. Now, he was. He's through. He said, I can't take any more. See, that's this banquet that's prepared for us. And it's there for you. You can just take so much of it, but it's all there for you. It's always, the banquet's always extended. In Christ dwells all the fullness. And the Holy Spirit has come to take that fullness and give it to you as you can take it. He won't make you eat when you're not full. But he's there to feed you when you're hungry. And, you know, we've watched it. He builds line upon line, precept upon precept. Some things you're not ready for. I mean, I have a book right here in Mike's said, I can promise you something. Me included, most of us can't handle what this book says. Deathless, sickless, lifeless. Sinless, sickless, deathless. It's deep water. Someday maybe we'll get ready, we can handle this. But, you know, it was written 1912. A PhDD from Princeton wrote it. We've come a long way, baby. The wrong way. And you know what he said? Everything he says in this book's true. It's over our head. Some of it's it, it's just Hell, I won't go there. Help my unbelief, Paul. Help my unbelief. But see what he's done for us, it, it's a celebration of life. You know, when, when, when you see that and, and you recognize it, uh, you remember we talked about I am crucified, I died with Christ. No. Get that out of your mind. You didn't die nowhere. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sin. When Jesus died on the cross, when he died, you were dead. You entered into his death. His death was your death. He took your death when he died so that you could enter into his life. In baptism, we're having baptism here in a minute. You know, that's a grave. This is what this is. What do you do in a grave? When someone is dead, what do you do with them? Who can tell me? You put them in the ground. Why? Because they stinketh. That's part of that old thing. You put that old thing in there. You bury it there. And you're raised by the power of the Holy Ghost to walk in the newness of life. And it smells good. New creation. You bury the old so you can be a part of the new. Jesus had to take our death so we could have his resurrected life. And you know, we're talking about the soul. It was in this pastor's meeting this Tuesday that I really saw it. When Jesus was in the garden and he sweated it with great drops of blood. And he says, now is my soul exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. In the garden, Jesus took upon him, and he sweat as it were great drops of blood. All your rejections, all of your fear of failure, all your mind, will, and emotion garbage, all the people from past, present, and future fell on him at that moment in the garden, and his soul literally died. He took your soul death in the garden 
so you could have his mind, will, and emotion in a new soul. Now, catch this. He already done it for you. He didn't have to redo anything for you. That's part of your package of salvation that the God of this world has got you blinded to. You can have it all right now. Isaiah 43 says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You don't have to live with the junk of your past. It's not who you are. It's who you were. I was floored when I read that about Adam. It never crossed my mind that Adam was down there waiting to be redeemed. Did you? He was, he was one of them that got raised with him when he rose, Adam rose. Give me a break. That's why God is the God of Isaac. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Israel. And he's the God of Jacob. Come on now. Golly. Jesus said in John 12, 24, except a kernel of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He's the kernel of corn that died. We were already dead. He's talking about himself. And it says in Isaiah 53 that God shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied because he will see his seed. Say, that's me. God saw the seed that was in his seed that died so we could all please God. Why? Because he saw his seed. He saw the result of what Jesus dying would be for us. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. 2 Corinthians 5, 4 and Amplified, For while we are still in this tent, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply, weighted down, depressed, oppressed, not that we want to be uh, out of this body, the clothing of the Spirit, but rather that we would further be clothed so that this mortal body of our dying body may be swallowed up of life by the resurrection. Swallowed up by life. That's overwhelmed. That's the... So we're raised. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it'll quicken your mortal bodies. Make them alive by his spirit. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into his death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we should walk in newness of life. Christ was raised by the glory of the Father. Did you catch that? Raised by the Spirit, by the glory of the Father. That's what happens with us. We were raised up by the glory of the Father. New creations. 